This is November 5th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. And since the last time we spoke, there hasn't been a lot of Bruins games. There, there was the, there was the Sharks game. There was the Senators game Saturday. This is being recorded Monday. So the game against Pittsburgh has not happened yet. So it will not be talked about in this. Uh, but there were some interesting pieces, uh, written about the Bruins over the past week. And so with my guest, Connor Ryan, who's going to be on twice in three weeks, uh, we get into all that. We get into t- television ratings. We get into why the power play is so dominant and when it started to get as good as it, ha- it has been because it hasn't always been this good. Uh, and then we get into talking about uh, David Backus uh, at the very end. So uh, this was a good episode, and I think you'll really enjoy this. Uh, before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about my best friends over at betonline.ag. They're more than just some online betting platform. There's a lot of them out there nowadays, but none are really anything like betonline.ag. Their approach is to focus on you, the player, and they built their incredible reputation on offering you, my Bruins Beat listeners, nothing but the best. From cutting edge technology to enticing promotions and the latest sports betting odds, they literally have everything. Uh, they're famous for their sports book where there are live lines on all major sporting events across all the major sports, including the National Hockey League. So their live betting feature allows you to bet on your favorites, so you can bet on your Bruins, quick, easy, and literally during the game. So have a ball. Uh, if you'd like to bet on the NHL games or any Bruins games or any of your favorite sports, uh, use my personal promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins. If you guys like to keep this podcast free, which I hope and imagine you would go there and take advantage of this amazing, amazing opportunity that's betonline.ag. All right. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan, second time in three weeks. What is up? Nothing much, man. What's going on with you? I am glad to be talking to you and talking to some Bruins because there's so much to talk about. You are on your way to go cover the game uh, tonight because this is being recorded Monday. So we got to get this kind of a little quick because the game tonight against Pittsburgh, it's a big game. Big game. You got to be there to cover it. Connor Ryan needs to be there. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of get through this quick. Um, Bruins have been good. <laughs> Bruins are a good freaking team. They're number one in most people. They're number one in most people's power rankings. Um, but I want to start from a place uh, that, that I, ca- I came across this piece this morning. Fluto Shinzawa had this in the athletic that I thought was really interesting. Um, it, it, the, the title is, it's like poetry in motion, the trade that elevated the Bruins power play in a work of art. Uh, the Bruins power play, I don't know if you've been noticing, has been very good. The second unit barely, yeah, second unit barely gets out there because the first unit is so freaking good. Um, the numbers are the numbers, but in this piece, he highlights when this started to change. I mean, if you remember 2016, 17, before then, the power play really was never that great. It was very mediocre. The 2011 Cup team had a horrible power play. They tried to get Thomas Caverlet in to mix things up. Didn't work. Um, but it used to be Ryan Spooner ran that power play. I forgot about this. He'd run it on the half wall. Now, right. Spooner, Spooner got traded uh, in 17-18. He got traded in the deadline of, of 2018, so February of 18. And ever since, they've switched to having – Krug run it at the point and how Krug maneuvering back and forth is what makes that power play go. They're always in motion. 
And it's kind of funny how the Ryan Spooner experiment was such a failure, such a bust that now the power play is working and he's not even here. I think that's crazy. Right. Well, it's one of those things too, where Cassidy, when he's talking about that, he kind of mentioned like he didn't want to fully drag Spooner because he mentioned that, you know, he was still had some production in terms of like playmaking ability, but in terms of, you know, look at the many reasons why the Bruins power play is so effective. You know, obviously you've got talent kind of wins out and you have Krug and Machian, Bergeron, uh, Pasternak, obviously all those guys out there. Talent can obviously just, when you have an open space can really kind of, you know, whatever the other team's going to throw at you, you get, you have the chance to capitalize against it. But I think what makes the power play so effective and it's something that Pluto kind of wrote about is that, you know, the Bruins, when they're in motion and when you have, you know, Krug and, and Marshan kind of exchanging the puck and, you know, you have Krug who can kind of operate down along the half wall. That allow, that can do so much for, you know, just capitalizing against whatever, what other PK they can kind of roll it against you. Because, I mean, you look at it, when the Bruins probably got its best, Bergeron's allowed to move in the bumper. He can get those rebounds. He can kind of redirect the puck. Pasternak's winning at, you know, the left circle winning for that one-timer. That's when the Bruins probably plays at its best. But let's say, you kind of saw it, um, you know, against Toronto, especially last year in the playoffs, where they kind of did a very conservative style of penalty kill where you had, you know, three three guys usually kind of all hovering around uh, Bergeron in the bumper, taking him away from it. And by doing that, obviously, when you have those, those many guys stacked up in the slot, it prevents them from doing that, you know, those seam passes that you see Marchand and Pasternak are so good at getting that one-time shot and, and firing it home. When you've got guys like Krug and Marchand who are able to move along the half wall and cycle it around. It just, you know, it allows the Bruins to adapt to whatever kind of structure the other team's penalty kill is. And that's what makes them so effective is that, all right, one plan isn't working for you. It's not going to be, you know, a full two minutes them trying to do the same old routine to kind of break through. They can kind of switch on the fly, bring guys down along the half wall, look for those kind of weak areas of the ice where they can exploit, uh, exploit kind of a scoring chance. I mean, you even start in the game against Ottawa on Saturday where, Ottawa, kind of similar to how the Maple Leafs are. They really like to stack the blue line. What do they do? Tory Krug fires in a shot. Uh, at times, it's perfectly when Pasternak gets into the zone, gets a breakaway but off of you know, a bank pass off the end boards. Like, that's what makes this power play so effective is that, all right, you think you have one way you can kind of slow them down? Within 10 seconds, guys like Krug and Marchand and Pasternak, who are such good playmakers, can kind of adjust on the fly and still find those zeros of the ice to capitalize against. And that shows how confident they are. The fact that they're willing to possibly ice the puck just to get a scoring chance like that. I mean, that just goes to show. And they're so creative. I mean, that sort of hints at Cassidy being such a good offensive coach compared to Claude, who really wasn't. Claude was never a great offensive coach, and he could never really get that power play going. Cassidy came in and said, all right, this is how we're going to do it, and it's worked. I mean, uh, you mentioned the whole movement thing. Fluto writes, when the first unit is in flight, it resembles the movement inside a luxury wristwatch, whirring and spinning and rotating in rhythmic, beautiful style. Opponents have no chance when the Bruins can score from anywhere on the ice. I mean, he's right. It does. They move in motion incredibly. And the numbers, the numbers are are, are what's kind of most staggering. The Bruins have scored on 30.9% of their power play opportunities, the highest mark uh, in the league. This is when Krug is on the ice. Um, Mm. And if the Bruins spent all 60 minutes on a, uh, of a game on the power play, they would score a league-high 11.07 goals, according to Natural Stat Trick. The number one unit has buried 10 of the Bruins' 13 power play goals. Uh, Poshnok leads the league with 10 power play points, and they haven't allowed a shorthanded goal yet. Ironically, though, they do allow a lot of <laughs> odd man rushes. Right. Um, but it really does go to show how good that whole system is. And, and, and what I want to hit next on is, 
on the first unit, it's Brad Marchand, Tori Krug, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, and Jake DeBrusque. And everyone says, well, what does Jake DeBrusque do? And I thought Fudo highlighted it perfectly. DeBrusque retrieves the puck. He's in front of the net. He's not the guy that's going to be screening the goal. He's not Milan Lucic in front of the net. But he, mm-hmm. he's a grinder. He gets down in those corners. He gets the puck out. And it was in the article. He's really a big factor in that power play. We just don't really see it because he doesn't get on, 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 the, on, the, on the points sheet that much. Right. You no, know, it's one of those things, too, where you have people mention, and now, you know, last year where they had Johansson kind of serve a similar role, and people are saying, oh, they need a, you know, bigger guy down there like Coyle or something to, you know, get rebounds, something like that. Look at Johansson, like, for as skilled as he was, he wasn't like, you know, a power forward kind of guy to be down there to, you know, get, you know, get rebounds and screen, screen the goalie or anything like that. Like, he was kind of serving the similar purpose where he's a, a you know, a quick skating guy who's able to just retrieve the puck. And when you talk to Cassidy about, you know, what generates, um, you know, sustained offensive zone time, what they really work on, obviously it's just outright puck possession, but he's mentioned multiple times how, how important puck retrieval is and how, you know, just winning those puck battles and getting the puck back and preventing the team from attempting to break it out of their zone is the key. So even if DeBrusque, you know, isn't this guy who's, you know, racking up, you know, easy points off of, you know, just, you know, rebounds and loose pucks down low if he can just you know get you know disengage from the crease get behind the net feed the puck back out to one of you know Krug or Martian or Pasternak and get them get the gears more or less turning again then he's done his job like that's all they're kind of asking for it's one small piece but it gets you know the whole all the gears kind of moving as one yeah he's so essential to that first unit and if you take it off take him off of it it doesn't like his job is so just get the puck just get the puck right. out. Get the puck to the other four guys on the ice. And he's done a good job of it. I mean, if he wasn't doing a good job of it, the power play numbers would not be where they are. Um, and I see the, the, the DeBrusque slander on Twitter. I guess I understand it. He hasn't, you know, really recorded the, the points that everybody thought he has. Again, it's thir- it's, what is it, 13 games into the season? They're 10, yeah. 1 and 2. Let's mm-hmm. calm down. It's 13 and games I, into the season. We'll be, they'll be fine. And I think it was one of those situations too. I think maybe the first 12, 13 games last year, I want to say like maybe he had like one goal or he had like no goals and like two assists or something like that. Like that's kind of been his, his MO. He's very kind of a streaky player, but you still look at the end of the, end of the day, you know, he still had 27 goals last year, like with uh, quite a few ebbs and flows of his overall game. So the fact that Krejci's back looks healthy, which is most important. Um, Heinen looks good, you know, on right wing. Like I expect him to be a guy who's hopefully going to be breaking out pretty soon. Yeah, and someone said to me on Twitter today that um, I said, I quote tweeted the Bruins lines and I said, is there any team with more center depth? And someone said, is it just me or has Sean Crowley been bad this year? And I said, well, he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been, you know, what the level he was playing at in April or May or June when he was shutting down other teams' top lines, but he's been fine. I mean, he's a, you know, last year he started slow too. So a lot of these slow starts means they're going to be hitting their stride soon. And the Bruins are still nasty right now, even with these guys being, uh, you know, slow starters. So that should be very interesting to watch. Uh, before we get into more Bruin stuff, I want to tell you about a slow process. Speaking of slow starts, hiring can be kind of a slow process. Like Jake DeBrus scoring, like Sean Corrali kind of getting into his groove. Slow process. Cofield to COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to my good friends over at ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It literally takes a part of the job right out of it for you. It's very easy. It's technology, identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posts his job 
on ZipRecruiter and told me how impressed uh, by how quickly he had great candidates apply for the job. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at my personal address, ZipRecruiter.com backslash Boston Beat. That's ZipRecruiter.com backslash Boston Beat. B-O-S-T-O-N-B-E-A-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash Boston Beat. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right. So more stuff that I found interesting. I always find these interesting little tidbits. Matt Porter wrote a thing uh, today on uh, Jake DeBrusque's star rising. He's getting bigger around the league. He does those Duncan commercials. Hey, Riff, you know, you miss, uh, check your voicemail. You miss some calls. Uh, but I think it was like a third paragraph in, had a pretty uh, telling statistic. Uh, through its first 11 telecasts of the season, Nesson reported ratings up 70% from this time last year, saying that it is the biggest increase of all regional networks carrying NHL teams. Nesson has seen the greatest increase with a big spike 158% in the coveted 18 to 34 demographic and an 83% increase in adults 25 to 54. Approximately 750,000 people across the nine markets that make up New England are watching a portion of every Bruins game. Does that surprise you? Uh, I really don't think, I mean, it, there's so many other factors that go into it. So, I mean, you have to look at obviously coming off the high of getting to game seven in the Stanley Cup final. That obviously plays a big part in it. Um, but I think you're also really helped by the fact that they've started so well this year. And it's not in the fact that, you know, they're, they're voting out wins. I mean, they're just, you know, you can say the competition they're going up against, but, you know, the cliched answer you hear is there's no easy wins in the NHL, but like they're, they're obliterating teams right now. Oh like, my God. They're, they're, they're really, you know, tilting the ice in their favor. I mean, you can just watch like a, a highlight of just their power play in, in action for like the last 40 minutes and it's worth, you know, it's, top flight TV just and how they, they operate and how they're able to generate these chances. So I think you look at, obviously, people are excited about the stop they've had, you know, the fact that it's mostly the same crew that came back from last year. Um, and they play an entertaining brand of hockey. I think that's something that's so important uh, just in terms of how good Cassidy has or how well Cassidy has done in terms of adapting the overall team strategy to kind of go with a quicker, faster, more skill-based hockey. And they've got some guys who can, you know, drop the gloves and, knock a few guys around, but, you know, if I told you there'd only be one, you know, major fight within the first, you know, 12 games, would you believe? But even if <laughs> the Bruins need an enforcer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we haven't got that yet, thank God. But, like, but if you talk about stuff like that and how, you know, you don't need a, a guy dropping the gloves and knocking a guy around to get, you know, people to watch on TV. Like, and you've got so many skilled guys that are just a treat to watch whenever they hop over the boards. I can certainly see why. Uh, like Nesson's, you know, getting those numbers. And some of the things that help too, I mean, the fact Red Sox aren't in it, I think people are still hungry for something to watch on TV. So there's a whole bunch of different factors that go into it. But I think baseline, the Bruins have to be very happy that they're still, you know, in the subconscious of quite a few, you know, Boston sports fans. They want to see how this thing can build because right now, I don't know how you can be kind of discouraged about what they're putting out there so far. Yeah, I mean, to to go off your point of them being dominant, Dmitry Filipovich, if I said that correctly, forgive me if I didn't, uh, tweeted out today the, the percentage of time leading and trailing with teams. And the Bruins, uh, 60.42% of the time in their games, they're leading, which the next best team is the Capitals at 48%. And percent of time trailing, 10.10% 10. 
The next team was the Capitals at 19%. I mean, they're literally killing teams. I mean, yeah. we saw it with the Sharks, the Rangers, the Centers. I mean, just insane. Um, I am surprised by those numbers. And I knew that the ratings would go up, obviously, with the Cup. You know, people are still like, oh, you know, the, the Bruins are getting new fans. Um, and I love those numbers. I love seeing the game of hockey grow. I want to see the Bruins get bigger and bigger in Boston. It's always fun when the Bruins are a huge topic of conversation. But I am surprised. And that's because at the end of last year, so many fans were like, I can't look at this team anymore. Game seven, mm-hmm. I can't look at them. They broke my heart. I can't, I can't look at them. So I am surprised that this many people are tuning in. And it's a great mm-hmm. thing. It's a good thing. I mean, you will never catch me saying it's a bad thing that the ratings right. are up because it helps us all. Like we want people looking at our stuff. We want people, you know, talking about our stuff. We want people watching the games we're talking about. Uh, so it's great. But I am surprised because I did think more fans would say, mm-hmm. I can't watch this team right now. And there's been the West Coast games to start the right. year. So I figure, you know, or, you know, the fact that people are staying up for the 10 p.m. start times, that says a lot. I mean, the Bruins have a diehard base. Well, I think it's one of those things, too, where it's one thing if you go on like a – even if, you know, regardless of how it ended, and obviously it's tough to tough pill to swallow losing game seven in the cup final. But I think it's just something about when you get to a point where your team gets, you know, especially, you know, past, like, let's say, two rounds of the cup – of the, you know, the cup playoffs, and you really start, you know, getting invested in these matchups. And that's what's great about, you know, playoff hockey is that just even, like, the casual fan can get so invested watching these games. So, you know, there's such high intensity – you get a real, uh, you know, hatred of the other team when you see them, you know, uh, you know, possibly like seven games in a series, considering how physical it is. You're able to identify, you know, the the, the villains that you don't want to root against. Like, there's just so much goes into what makes playoff hockey so great. And I think when you have any team that goes on a sustained run where you're watching that kind of, you know, product, you know, almost day in, day out for, you know, two and a half months, I think it's, it's easy to see why people kind of gravitate and want to see what they do going going from here. Because, again, it's not one of those situations where, you know, the, the narrative afterwards was, you know, this was the Bruins' last best chance. But uh, they're kind of proving people wrong there in that regard, at least to stop the year. Again, it's the same it's the same team pretty much from last year, except they're considerably more pissed and their younger guys are better. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the way – I mean, if you look at the way they're playing right now, it's like it feels like – I think, you know, talking to Ty Anderson about it, he was saying, like, it feels like it's like a revenge tour. Like, that's like what it is. And they got the guys in the room that can kind of set that tone. Like it's, it's, you know, you talk so much about like the Patriots and how they're able to like build this locker room culture. But when you've got guys who are in that room for, for, you know, a decade plus and Chara and and Bergeron, Krejci, Marshan, these guys who are so kind of laser focused, um, it's easy to see why they're able to kind of hit the ground running and get these young players who seem like they're all kind of cut from the same cloth to kind of follow along their lead. So right now, I don't know how you can be discouraged about what they're showing out there on the ice. Well, it's incredible. Every year when there's playoff hockey, I'm always like, how do I watch regular season hockey? Playoff hockey is just so much better. But then the summer comes, and it's like slow all summer, so then I'm just dying for hockey. So that the regular season bug just catches me for the whole year. So it is funny how that works. Um, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I'm going to because someone had an interesting tweet regarding it. Uh, the Scott Saber and David Backus play on Saturday night, obviously was scary. It was terrible. Um, just n- something you never want to see um, mm-hmm. ever. And it was uh, terrible. I mean, it was a really, really bad play. Um, Joe McDonald tweeted, wouldn't surprise me if Backus is en route to hospital to be with Sabrin. Uh, I don't know if that ever took place, but a guy replied and said, wouldn't surprise me if Backus just decided he doesn't want to play hockey anymore. He had a life-changing look of distress on his face, and Joey Mack replied and said, could be right. Now, that's just speculation. That's not – I don't think that's a – that's not a report. Um, mm-hmm. But the look on Backus's face in that play 
said a lot. I mean, if you, you know, a picture paints a thousand, a picture paints a thousand words. That had a lot to it when you saw Bacchus visibly upset and going down the tunnel. I mean, is there a chance that that was kind of his, hey, I should probably hang my skates up soon moment? I mean, is there a chance that's the case? And it very well could be. I mean, you, you obviously don't want to delve too deep into, you know, what a, a guy like him who, I mean, you look at kind of his career and how like he's able to kind of persevere through, even if his numbers have dropped, his playing time, obviously he's not the player he was back when he was obviously with the Blues, but even in like, say, his first year with the Bruins. But the fact that he's able to kind of still, you know, be a professional, you know, deal with the, the cut, you know, playing time, stuff like that. But, um, I mean, you look at the – the, the track record with him and when it comes to concussions, you know, the Bruins obviously won't admit that he has a concussion, but Cassidy mentioned, you know, upper body injury. Cassidy said, like, you can do the math, which kind of gives it away as to what, uh, you know, what he suffered on that, on that play. And obviously there's so much stuff that, you know, I'm not one to, you know, talk about, you know, brain injuries or concussions. Cause I've never had one. So I can't obviously go into what he was saying, but I'm sure, I mean, you have a situation like that where a lot of emotions are involved. Uh, you, you know, you, clearly suffer a concussion on it there's obviously so much that i'm sure is going through his head in that moment so um you know i'm sure for him though it's something he has to take a long look at you know every time he's come back from a, a major concussion it seems like there's always you know uh, a scrum where he kind of talks a little bit about his career and how you know whether one more concussion is too many or stuff like that and so so far he hasn't you know seemed like he's you know, wavering from, you know, continuing to, you know, play and, you know, try to do what he can to be a productive player, which David Backus for as much as, you know, unfortunately is he hasn't been able to get sustained playing time or his skills have decreased, you know, it's never for kind of a lack of effort on his part. You know, it's like the guy, you know, he's got obviously a lot of respect for the guys in that room. So obviously I'm sure it's something that gets revisited every single time something like this happens. So it's just, you know, another severe injury. I'm sure he's going to have to take a long look and see what kind of comes of it. But uh, we should get a kind of a clearer picture, ideally, by like later this week as to what his status is. Because Cassidy already ruled him out, obviously, for tonight uh, and then for the game against Montreal on Tuesday or when this airs tonight. Um, so <laughs> Thank you. You get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll see how it is kind of later in the week. But obviously, if you're – you know, regardless of if you're, you know, a Bruins fan or someone just in terms of a guy's well-being, guy who's obviously taken a lot of hits like that, you have to be concerned that these hits are kind of piling up because it's not only the fact that, you know, what happened to Sabrin, which is terrible, and the fact that, you know, you know, Bacchus was involved in the middle of that and obviously felt bad, but then you add in the injury he sustained, the history there, you know, it's obviously a lot to handle. And, you know, you can certainly see why he had that kind of reaction, which I think most people would, given all those circumstances, especially. And what's even scarier is that was just a run-of-the-mill hockey play. That wasn't yeah. a dirty hit. It wasn't a, you know, the back is turned. It wasn't a headshot. It yeah. was just a normal. It was check. like a normal, yeah, it was a normal check. And the fact that he lost consciousness, I think, like, it seemed like he, like, you know, his jaw kind of hit back of his head. And, like, you know, it, like, when he hit the ice, he was already out cold. Like, that yeah. was so, like, I remember, like, watching it. I didn't, like, think that anything was up, like, anything came of it. Like, I was, like, looking down the ice to see where the puck was going. And like all of a sudden the play just stops. Like it, no, like really people were catching, you know, caught that, you know, in game action as it was going on, which is really like the most troubling part of it. Oh yeah. And that stuff, those hits happen 20 times a game. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a very normal hockey play. And, and that's why I think Backus looked back and said, Oh my God, 
that's a run of the mill play. That could have been me. And it might have been if he has a concussion right now. So, um, you obviously never know. Connor, thank you so much for joining. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before you head out? Yeah. So, uh, we've got, I've got actually a few, uh, features in the, in the works. Don't want to, you know, divulge too much stuff, but hopefully we'll have some stuff out, uh, a little bit later this week and early, uh, next week. Um, a lot of kind of great content. So if you want to read any of it, you go to uh, bostontourcejournal.com, subscribe, get all the uh, latest Bruins news and updates. And then if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at Connor Ryan underscore 93. That's Connor with one N. Uh, and I have a whole bunch of content on there as well. I saw your tweet today the, with the Facebook thing, and you changed your name to Ryan Connors with two N's. I mean, it, it, it happens all the time. Like, it's, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been called Ryan. I've gotten Ryan Connors. There was one time. I was in, uh, it was like orientation for my high school and my teacher had my name down as Ryan O'Connor. Just dropped like Ooh. an O in my name. Just like top of the more like guys from South Boston might as well just drop that in there. So I haven't got anything nearly as bad as that yet, but Ryan happens quite a bit, which like I've accepted. It's like, it's, I'm the Irish Ricky Bobby. Like it, it's two first names. <laughs> Got to deal with it. So what are you going to do? Those, for those who don't know, Facebook announced uh, Monday that, they would change their name from Facebook to like Facebook in all caps, right? That's, that was what the, uh, the crux of it. So yeah, Connor had a funny tweet on that. Connor always has funny tweets. Go follow him on Twitter. Go subscribe over to bostonsportsjournal.com to, to follow all his great work. Can't read to read those. Can't wait to read those features. Um, but thank you so much, Connor. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You guys, you Bruisby listeners, let me tell you something. Have a great rest of your week. Yeah.